Hi, I'm Jonathan Mann. And I'm Matt Condon. And this is still Digialty Rare, the show about Digialty owned things and what that means now and in the future. Whoa! Whoa I don't know why you'd expect it to change it, but we're still here. <laughs> We are still selling t-shirts. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. are still for sale for another 11 days as I record this. Maybe by this time this comes out, mm. it'll be more like either 10 days or 8 days, depending how long it takes me to edit it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That being said, we have sold nine shirts, which I'm super psyched about. Yep. Um, I, I didn't know this last week, but we actually have to sell 12. Right. It's the kind of thing where we have to sell 12 right. or else they won't print I mean, them. That's, it's that's like, good. Economics of scale and everything. Yeah, it's not worth their time. Totally. So just to recap... I'm, ooh, I'm burping some more. <laughs> Just to recap. <laughs> um, you know, the shirts are amazing. It's mm-hmm, from Cotton mm-hmm, Bureau. Mm-hmm. They feel great. It's misspelled intentionally because right. when I first made the logo, I accidentally, I was so, I was actually genuinely embarrassed when that happened. Like, you know, I, we, we're, I'm launching this new thing. I heard so much of that on Telegram. I'm, oh my goodness. I'm sharing this with the whole world. I think this is our, our amazing new podcast and everyone's like, you misspelled digitally. Right. It's ah. such an easy, like, you just point at it and it's like, oop, you did a you did a little oopsie. You did yeah. a little oopsie. But we're 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 taking, you know, crap and turning it into gold, which is this digitally rare shirt mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. that embedded in it. So what that founding story analogy. of digitally Yeah. It's like yeah, one person's trash, right? Exactly, um, exactly. And so, so you can get this uh trash gold shirt. And because it's misspelled, <laughs> people are going to ask you, like, why is this misspelled? And then you get to tell them. You get yep. you get that as an excuse, uh, a second-order effect to flex on them and say, hey, I listened to this podcast about digitally scarce things and how it affects society. Doesn't that sound interesting? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, not at all. Get away from me, you nerd. Um, one, one thing to note that I just want to apologize for, you know, Cotton Bureau, one – the the only downside with Cotton Bureau, and they're perfect on every other thing. The only downside is that it's very expensive mm-hmm. to ship mm-hmm. them overseas. So I'm just I'm sorry. There's like nothing I can do about that. I'm really, truly yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, Are they based in the U.S.? Is that the like local? They're shipping? based in the U.S. Yeah. and I think it's like more to ship it. <laughs> it costs more to ship it than it to buy. That's it, funny. It's it's but it's just one of those things. Right. Anyway, well, once if we you can remove it, our limitations of the physical world, yes, then that won't be a problem. I've been thinking about maybe the maybe the like in the last like three days we'll do a thing where we'll like use Pixura or some other simple NFT mm-hmm, creation mm-hmm. app and make a make like a, a couple totally. rare. We should definitely do like, something with it. NFTs to go along with it. Anyway, yeah. stay tuned for that. Go buy the shirt. It's bitly bit dot ly slash dr shirt bitly slash dr shirt. Go there, buy it, do the thing, and now and now Matt. Yeah. Please introduce our guest of the week. Boom, Go for boom. it. Yeah. Uh, welcome, Mark Bersteiner. Um, we last talked, uh, honestly, a few months ago, and you told me you were working on a new project that actually surprised me in how interestingly it took on the idea of crypto-based gaming. And so that's called Beyond, and I'll let you tell us more about it. But I'm just excited to hear like how you are approaching mm-hmm. this space and why you're building like this. And then the really unique ways that you have approached, like actually building a crypto. Heck game. Yeah. Hi. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. Oh Woo! my gosh. Ow! Jeez. Thank you for having me. And, and make sure everybody goes and checks out that that bitly mm-hmm, link, mm-hmm. bitly slash Doctor Shirt. Ooh, ooh, Doctor, Doctor Shirt. Doctor Shirt. Wow. Uh, and there's Doctor Shirt. There's your next Doctor song. Totally there's shirt. your next yeah. branded That's shirt. Mm-hmm. Bingo, bango, bongo. We've got it all in the can. So yeah. So we're we're working on a, a card game. Uh, it's a crypto card game. Um, I've been in the tech space for a long, long time. Uh, I'm a builder, uh, and my background's in video, so I bounce between those two things. Mm. So when I'm not building something, I'm doing video. So you might have seen me on like Techno Buffalo or Android Police or XDA developers on YouTube talking about Android things and mobile and things of that nature. Um, but I'm always active uh, and activated in the tech space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> activated like my Windows key. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's a I lot like of that. things that can get activated. <laughs> <and> deactivated. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we we have been paying attention to the crypto space for a very long time. And it's so funny how sort of full circle this story has really come, uh, because I, I started a company back in 2012 called FTW. Mm. Um, and what we set out to do was build a platform agnostic network save card. And we did it. We raised a bunch of money. We spent a bunch of money and we made uh, a basically dual pronged approach for developers and for gamers to, to free video games 
saves from the silos that they're oh, trapped on. Oh, that's fun. Huh. That's cool. Right? That's interesting, yeah. As it turns out, as it turns out, <laughs> we were missing one important component, and we imagined that it was some sort of distributed ledger technology. We were asking developers and players, hey, free your saves, take control over your saves, but what we were really saying is, hey, give them to us. Right. 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 So when we started to approach what a crypto game looks like, uh, we very much had a little bit of a head start here because we had already considered what does it look like to retain totally. state uh, hmm. for a player uh, who is playing on mobile primarily. Uh, you know, imagine you've got a, a version of your state on your computer, you've got a version of your state on your mobile, you've got a version of your state on your Switch, mm -hmm. uh, and you, you're playing something on the subway where you don't have connection for whatever reason, right? Uh, and now you have two separate timelines of your experience in this game. Uh, we figured out how to do all of that stuff, how to version these things. We effectively built a time machine backup mm. uh, for uh, video game players' saves. That sounds right? fun. Mm. Mm. Super fun. And uh, our first back-end guy from back in the day, back then, John Vernaleo, who's brilliant, a brilliant cryptographer, mm. he actually moved on after working with us then uh, to work on BTC Suite. Mm. Uh, he was on the team that ported uh -huh. uh, Bitcoin into Go. And oh, wow. if you use the deep, you guys are familiar with Decred, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, if you use the decredition wallet, you're still using some of his code. Uh, the guy's brilliant. That's interesting because it forked off of Bitcoin. Or, well, because, or because he worked on that project because he worked on the Got project, yeah. uh, because he actually wrote the original decred wallet back in the day. So there's still, gotcha. I'm not familiar with decred's origin. Well, decred's got a, a really interesting sort of sordid past, which kind of mm. plays into what we're sort of here to talk about today in terms of, uh, NFTs and gaming and how oh. that plays into Ethereum at large. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because decred's history is a bit sordid in that, um, the the developer contingent that was really interested in having better governance over right. uh, this open source project broke off and decided that they would rewrite the Bitcoin implementation and go mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that they would uh, focus on a hybrid network with proof of work and proof of stake right. uh, and what they call Politea, an off-chain uh, but cryptographically signed forum for them to decide all kinds of things uh, about Decred's governance. Mm. Um so John and I have uh, kept in touch over all these years, of course, and uh, early 2016, we started talking, excuse me, early, uh, early 2017, we started talking about the crypto landscape at large, since we hadn't really talked about it for a long time, and I had sort of written it off, mm. you know, 2016 mm -hmm. happened, and then I was paying more attention, totally. and then late 2016, I started mining Ethereum, trading Ethereum, making some money, oh. doing some stuff, and, and realizing, hey, there's stuff to build here, mm. there's something to make. And in, in our experience, when we had built this platform out back in the day, the first thing every every person gave us feedback on was, okay, this platform looks great. It sounds amazing. But A, developers aren't going to use your brand in their game. It's got to be white labelable. Right, and B, why don't you show us what you can do with this game, with this product, with this platform? And I was like, I mean, that would be great, but we just spent a quarter million dollars to build it. And we don't exactly have another budget mm. to make a game on top of it, too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as it turns out, that's kind of where we are now. So this game beyond is is sort of kind of come full circle where we approached in, in 2017, we approached what a crypto game would look like. And we kind of came around um, geocaching. We were like, maybe geocaching is a great opportunity mm, to use non tokens. geocaching plus crypto. It's yeah. so much fun. It's so much fun. Oh, my God. It's so cool. Get, but we realized there's a bottleneck. Yeah. Right. There's no there's no decentralized location mm -hmm. service. Uh, foam is coming. Uh, Soon, but again, trademark. also built on Ethereum. Soon, TM, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, emoji. Right. Uh, dancing girl. <laughs> but the <laughs> Fortnite dance. So Coming soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flossing, doing, the, yeah. doing the floss over here, <laughs> yeah. right? So it's a, it's, it's a really interesting, compelling space, but we realized like maybe that wasn't the right application. Uh, early 2018, we, we, we were looking at the space even more closely. We realized, oh my God, maybe it's a card game, mm. right? Maybe... Maybe this is this is what we've needed this whole time, right? Cards you know, Hearthstone's been yeah. around. Cards, yeah, cards are a, a fabulous, perfect analog uh, for what a, a non fungible token is, for what a digital asset is. Oh yeah, is. true. Yeah, yeah, of course. True. Yeah, right. So, uh, well, I mean, and I wanted to mention this last week, which that I keep forgetting to do, which is Spells of Genesis is, I think, the mm. first NFT yeah. game Spells that ever existed technically. Like the very, very, right. very first. And, it's and that's a card the game. one yes. that's like on Counterparty and like was a thing yes. in Japan. Yes. Gotcha. It was like pre pre rare Pepe. Right. Yes. Right. So yeah. yeah. 
super hyper proto, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we were looking right. around at the time. We saw that. We saw Spills of Genesis. Yeah. We were like, oh, yeah. man, we can do this so much better. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> no offense. No. But, I mean, it's no, a, you yeah, know, like games, the, games, game systems and designs are, you know, they flow like water. The timeline is um, early and the bar was, uh, you know, not set at right. the top. Right. So with that in mind, we approached the game with a few really important tentpoles in our, in our heads. A, game first. Mm. Right. Game first, period, end fun. of story. If it's not yeah. fun, if it's not a good game, it's not going to make a lick no of difference if you're cares? stuck yeah. with scarce or not. Like, it, right. it might as well just be a line in someone's database if it doesn't make a difference, yeah. right? right? So we said, first and foremost, we need the greatest game that we can possibly have. We can't just do Pokemon on the blockchain. Mm-hmm. We can't just do a Hearth clone on the blockchain. We can't just do, Ooh. you know, a game of Throwing some economy. shade to some projects, not to mention, not, not going <laughs> to name names. But yes, hundred I mean, percent. We can we can throw shade at the entire crypto game space because yeah. the entire the entire thing is a, a perfect match made in heaven. Mm. But what I don't think the crypto game space has come to realize just yet is that they've all been playing one game, mm. the game right. of capitalism, because Ooh, every right. one of Ooh. these <laughs> every one of these crypto networks is a game, right? And this is what mm-hmm, a lot of people mm-hmm, are, are mm-hmm. completely missing. It's flying over everyone's head. Every crypto right. network is an MMO. It's based sure, around sure. game theory without game Absolutely. design. Right. So what we've been asking all of these people in the crypto space to do is dilute the space as much as humanly possible, saying like, okay, here's our game, here's our version, here's our take of an existing game that we've made somewhat artificially scarce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that to us just really isn't enough. Uh, and when you when you when you start to think about uh, the Ethereum ecosystem and look at it where it is today, um, I'm the biggest proponent of open source software. Mm. Um, but the truth is, we're we're at an inflection point right here, brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we <laughs> we have uh, we have a lot of, of work in the trash bin mm. uh, after the last two years. And you know, no 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 shade to the consensus teams, parity teams, Polkadot teams, everybody everybody's working so so hard. Um, but we're working towards this goal of pure proof of stake, which I think mm. we could all agree uh, we know how is going to play out. Uh, how is pure that? Pure proof of stake. Well, we, we've seen oligarchies in human structures before, mm. in human societies. True. And that's ultimately what proof of stake amounts to. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even when you try and solve that problem, and again, we'll, we'll come back to Decred here, even when you try and solve that problem with something like a proof of work and proof of stake hybrid system that actually has on-chain governance, mm-hmm. you still have this issue that only Tezos has, has come close to, to almost solving a voter apathy, where mm. ultimately... It's going to be the people who are building the, the protocol who are going to care the for most, the most part, exactly. you know, right? right? They right. care the most, sure, sure, the sure, players yeah. or whoever, right? Absolutely. Um, so not only is voter apathy an issue, but even if you didn't have the issue of voter apathy, then you still have the problem of money and politics. Mm. If the way that you influence what happens to this crypto network, to this digital jurisdiction effectively, mm-hmm. is with money, then you are effectively saying that every single marginalized community who cannot afford mm-hmm. to put $200 aside yep. in a given month yep cannot influence their own destiny and that's unacceptable in Mm -hmm. our eyes that's totally like that's a fantastic point is like by by allocating that scarcity of power that power then is scarce because it's tied directly to money so it's it's influence it's derived from the scarcity of that money which is you know it's it comes along with all of this baggage of how money was Mm -hmm. allocated in the past completely ignoring marginalized groups uh Un, you know, asymmetrically benefiting people who like discovered it early, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And is that is that allocation mechanism one to one with the type of people you'd like to have power over the future of this network? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Right. Yeah. Precisely. Totally. And mm-hmm. so, what we're trying to do is figure out how we can fairly, equitably quantify mm-hmm. time spent, time att- attention spent, and we call it proof of play. Because we see it as a sort of third leg to the crypto tripod, mm-hmm. right? Where we've got proof of work, which is the sort of cold and unaffected and uninterested party um, that is here to ensure that the math got done. But of course, you know, the, the argument there is that there's still a barrier to entry. You need to buy hardware. You need to have some sort of skin in the game, which is how we got to POS, right? Which makes sense on paper, mm. where if you've got skin in the game, you should be able to have say over what happens to the network. What we're trying to do is see if we can break out the, the influence aspect from the infrastructure aspect. 
Meaning we still want stakers. We still need people in the game because we've designed the entire game around lending. Mm. You can't lend a paper magic card. I've got four or $5,000 of magic cards sitting in binders here next to me, mm. but I don't lend them because they're made of paper. They can get lost, destroyed, stolen. Digital cards don't have that problem. That's right? so super stakers, Yeah. Stakers uh. will be lending their cards and verifying transactions and verifying match slips from other players mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. upgrades from other players, but the stakers are not responsible for the future of the network. You mean, players are. You mean the stakers, like at the consent, Census layer are involved are staking cards, mm -hmm. and oh, that's super dope. Okay, so the cards really the neat. cards are the medium of exchange of value here, and you don't. Bingo. Oh, hell yeah, that's super cool. There's no fungible token yeah, on the network really at all. Cool. We are not a currency. Ooh. We have colored coins and non-fungible tokens yeah. only. That's cool. how do you? Um, so I that's guess that so gets into a, a sort of abstract question. How do you? Uh, uh, what's it called? There's a word for this, but how do you turn that non-fungibility of every card totally unique, totally different? How do you quantify that and turn that into a fungible value? For example, with proof of stake, you generally mm -hmm. need to like, you know, add some numbers up and get like mm -hmm. total value. So how, how right. do you do that? You need to contextualize the value exactly. in, the, in the context of the network, right? right? So we're, we're trying to stay away from any kind of fungible token. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to do only NFTs and only colored coins. Mm -hmm. And we're using colored coins because we can effectively use that as the sort of uh, 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 benchmark mm. for the network itself because those colored coins are payouts effectively. So the, the way that we designed the game is imagine a looter shooter. If you haven't played one, it's a lot like Destiny or The Division or Warframe. Mm -hmm. um, or if you're familiar with looters like Diablo, where the whole point of the game is to just play and play and play and get better stuff. And now you have better stuff. You can beat better stuff. Um, or better bad guys, excuse me. Uh, the game is designed very similarly, where it's a looter shooter, but we've replaced the shooting with a card game. Mm. So you play a match, and then at the end of the match, you get a payout of materials, loot, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you use to upgrade your cards. Each card has a little skill tree. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so each card gets minted blank uh, and sold to the player from the network blank, and they need to do the work to upgrade the card mm -hmm, itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can, of course, just buy the materials. You can buy everything you need because these are all digital assets and they're all tradable. Um, but that's kind of how we come back into the proof of play aspect, mm -hmm. which is we are asking that if you want to influence the network, you need to be the person mm -hmm. who is the original owner of the card, mm -hmm. just like mm -hmm. in Pokemon. Mm -hmm. If you're going to go to a Pokemon tournament, you need to be the original trainer. Totally. You need to have caught it and trained it up yourself. Totally. Mm -hmm. And that's like that's how you get that uh, civil resistance around like um, influence in the network is you basically, it is a proxy for time then or time spent yes. playing. Yeah. Precisely. And Precisely. It is because that way we know authentic. that the people who are influencing that network mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. rules of that network are the people who care the most about the game itself. Mm -hmm. Um, and if ever they put themselves in a position where they are able to influence the, the, the network in an undue way, uh, that's, that's kind of why we set up a third leg to the tripod totally. because we are also very much trying to model our governance after more effective governance models the world right. over. So, so I guess the checks and balances <laughs> of the U S government right. make right. a lot of sense here. There's three of them, right. right? Exactly. Yeah. So solving governance, hard problem, solving like politics, also hard problem. Um, making a fun game, a hard problem. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> one of the parts. So in terms of, um, one of the cool, not cool things, one of the main properties of proof of stake and designing these protocols is that they are designed for perfectly, they're designed to work with perfectly rational and sometimes perfectly irrational parties who are doing all kinds of stuff who maybe want to destroy this protocol that you've created and mm -hmm. uh, generally just like operate uh, within that bounds, but play to win. And so they use mm -hmm. cheap tricks, et cetera. You have to do, create this protocol that's entirely defensive of those mm -hmm. behaviors. Um, and so when you're building this protocol for humans, this proof of play, this like uh, time spent using this card as a stake uh, for consensus, mm -hmm. like that's really awesome. How do you prevent machines or uh, nefarious humans from uh, basically gaming that uh, gamification that you've come up with? Um, you've kind of you've you've given them your algorithm for proof of mm -hmm. play. It's like this is mm -hmm. how we measure this. Uh, what's to stop me from, uh, you know, just doing the minimum amount of effort for the maximum amount of gain? Uh, is that expected? That sort of stuff. Bingo. It's expected. Please do it. Like, by all means. Mm -hmm. uh, part, of, part of the beauty here is, like, when people say, okay, well, what if, what if, we, what if I make a bot? Right, right. Please do. Mm. <laughs> you know? Like, great. You've made, you've made a proof of play miner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? Like, you, this is, that, that's exactly what we want. If you make a bot that is playing to create the most value for you, mm. 
Okay, great. That's interesting. That's, a, that's another player that our, our player base gets to play against because we're not doing an AI player. We're doing a separate PvE experience. Mm. So our PvP experience. Oh, that's um, kind of fun. Is, <laughs> right. So if you if like if a bad actor did want to do that, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is kind of expected because, like we said, a, a crypto network is just game theory without game design. Right. All we right. did was put a put a put a coat of paint on mm-hmm. it. Right. So that is how the game is designed. And we we also one of the other questions that we asked ourselves when we started working on this in late 2017 was what what if we were to set out to make a game like this where where there's basically digital and infinite liquidity uh what if we were to try and give ourselves this task what would a universal basic income look like if it took the shape of a game Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and the answer that we discovered was as it turns out it doesn't it's not basic because you don't have to do nothing to get it you do you have to do something but it is a basic accessible income Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the sense especially these days as as the conversation around accessibility and games is you know very much hitting its its fever pitch in the zeitgeist um games as we move into this digital virtual world need to be something that is accessible to everyone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um we very much see a future where games are a huge part of our society especially as we talk more and more about universal basic income right ai taking Um, jobs that sort of thing Totally. Right. So the question that we asked ourselves was, look, me as a cis hetero white boy from New Jersey, I had the, the, the privilege of having the money to spend on magic cards. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I had the privilege of my mom buying me a booster pack when she'd come home from the from the store or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had the privilege of earning this incremental and incidental income right. from my hobby, from fun. Right. Those right? magic cards and over that time. is not something yeah. that a lot of communities have access to today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the digital nature of a game like this reduces the barrier of entry to zero. Because when you come to start playing our game, you start by borrowing a deck from the network, mm. even if you have nothing of your own. Mm. Uh, which is very different from Magic the Gathering in the sense totally. that you have to go and buy a card. Or, I mean, it, it's actually very similar to Magic the Gathering in the sense that in in the real world, a friend can just lend 100%. you a paper deck right. and go play right. with, right? Get a so a lot deck. of these paradigms that, like, we, we've been talking a lot about it internally as skeuomorphism, right? When when the iPhone came out, we had this era of design. Yes, that's the way to... Design skeuomorphism. Yeah. And now we are in this era of... of technical skeuomorphism where we oh, the, yeah. our, our virtual world suddenly totally. resembles our, our meat space world far yeah, more closely this is like this i keep getting at this and skeuomorphism is absolutely the word i'm starting going to start using now is like yeah now that we have digital scarcity we can start bringing so many more metaphors from real life mm-hmm. and so many more user behaviors and interactions that we think are good because of scarcity and bring mm-hmm. that over into the digital world in like a actual actually effective way yeah skeuomorphism right. that's really cool Heck yeah. yeah. Right. So if in this in that scenario where someone is just trying to make money, mm-hmm. our answer is, OK, great. Mm-hmm. Be a pro player then, you know, right. like mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we've designed the game such that the or, and we're still working on the metagame. We're still working on the economy. And that's why we're, we're trying to get players in the door right now. Sure, sure. Um, where, we, you know, we want as many people giving us feedback as, as early as possible mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. This, this is the part that really, really matters. Um, but the idea being that if you are wise enough (laughs) you can play the meta Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. what it turns out happens when you have a card game on a crypto network is that's a built-in asic dodge Mm, that's what i was going every time every time a new set comes out that's that's the meta game shifting yep totally Mm -hmm. right and so so your ai which if your ai is is the metaphor for a meta or an asic right like totally 100 percent yeah right Exactly right. In in the context of proof of play. Right. So when when we think about that, we're totally fine with with whatever people want to try to do because we think that the network has been built ro- or, or is being designed anyway right. robustly enough uh, that 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 would be kind of a non-issue. Right. On top of the fact that um, if you are able to you know if you don't want to be a, a pro player but you are able to speculate effectively enough based on where you see the metagame going, you can spend a season forging the right cards that you think will will rise to prominence mm-hmm. six months from now mm-hmm. meaning that not only are you getting that incidental incremental value of of you know a, you know a rare here and there that you get to actually add to your collection but you're you're actually right uh, uh making a bet that there is upside totally. on that choice using your alpha right? as with game knowledge exactly totally. right exactly that's super cool right. i was going to say that the game then like if you want if you want to encourage people to make the bots basically like if you're accepting the existence of ASICs, 
Um, mm-hmm. You either have to make it ASIC hard, um, aka the game just should be hard for AIs. Um, exactly. It should have too many paths, sort of like, uh, well, not go anymore, but yeah, it should just be <laughs> hard for AIs to play. Or, right. again, ASIC resistance, just change the game every six months. And exactly that fits right. so much more, like, definitely do both of those, right? But um, yeah. changing it every six months fits perfectly into how people play longer term games like right. magic yep. that comes out with a new series every i don't know six months maybe less every three four months yeah. or so there's something new you know and they have multiple formats and the metagame's always shifting totally. and that's one of the things that we want to leave up to the audience right. you know we really want Built to treat our players yeah exactly we want to treat our players more like constituents than customers mm. we really want them to feel like this is a game that belongs to them this is a game that belongs to all of us mm-hmm. this is a game that we could take to space with us yeah okay and so lean into that then with the like the sort of uh, criticism of uh crypto games being that well it's not really 100 percent decentralized right like you still exactly are, like what what is your answer to that Oh, how exciting! How exciting <laughs> that we finally figured out how not to just like let the pendulum swing from one end to the other and and just go from one extreme to the next. Look, the truth is mm-hmm. that creativity is inherently centralized. Creativity mm-hmm. is a carpool, not a caravan. We cannot decide to have four drivers in a car. We can all decide to all go to the same place and follow each other, but we cannot have a person driving a creative vision, mm. the driver, and also swap driver seats with everybody else in the car while we're going. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So. The, the the way that we see Although I think I've seen that in a gif sometimes is people jumping out of the car and, and yeah totally <laughs> every once in a while with the know? right attitude anything's possible but really should we be doing that now <laughs> especially if you got the fuzz on you. right <laughs> you know like you know all bets are off but <laughs> the the, the, uh, the conversation around crypto and games I think is actually a, a very interesting one mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. this is what this really means is that this isn't this isn't a this is why people are confused this is not a a a new layer on the old way of games mm. right this is a new paradigm this is a shift in the way that we make games because sort of like in the in the just pure tech space one of the things that crypto networks do really well is find a a working business model for an open source project mm-hmm. right and in the same way that that cuts out a lot of middlemen from uh, development processes, in the same way that Bitcoin itself and crypto networks cut out a lot of middlemen in terms of central banking, we can do the same thing with publishers in the gaming space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We can go directly to the consumer. But the way that that works has to be a different approach than we're used to. Right. You know, We're not going to see EA roll crypto into Apex Legends mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that's ultimately the same exact thing that we said at the top of the show. That's a line in their database. Right. It makes a difference. And this is why governance is at the core of what we're doing. This is why the first person that I reached out to in this space was Chris Berniski. This is why we're looking at Decred. This is why we're forking Decred because we we really believe, especially now that Ethereum is starting to catch up on this front, that governance is the killer feature. Governance mm. is the thing that makes a crypto game functional and possible and makes it make sense. Right. Because it's only once you use a crypto network for what it's actually for, which is distributing power, mm. that you get its value in the context of a game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you can distribute power to the constituency, then what you wind up with is this really cool set of features that you just don't get to have with a traditional game, like what we call, we call it a self-healing metagame, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. there is always, there's a card roster uh, that's coming up and we are deciding what's gonna get minted next, but the players also have a say. And maybe the players have de- deci- defined or decided that there is always one or two slots in the, in the minting uh, rotation that is dedicated specifically to a Graph Digger's Cage, a hoser for a particular card mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. For a, or a, for a particular strategy right. that is rising to prominence or whatever, right? right? Or maybe the network does that on its own. Right. Mm. There's a stopgap, a, a, a safety valve measure that if a particular archetype rises to such like 85, 90 percent prominence, that's not healthy for the metagame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the next time there are cards minted, it will be mandatory mm. based on the consensus rules of the network mm. that these two cards that hose that strategy get minted. That's a fun. Yeah, that's a fun thing to design then is that sort of self-healing metagame. That's right. really neat. Yes. Yeah, that's cool. And then to the others, the other side of the conversation you were asking about in terms of the complexity of the game. Mm-hmm. Each, because each and every card has its ba- its own baby skill tree, the, the amount of combinations for a particular deck is just right. insane. Yeah. So there is the complexity in-game because it's not a perfect knowledge game. You're still jarring. There's a lot of randomness. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's basically a deck-building game as well. So we combine Magic the Gathering, Netrunner, and Dominion Ooh, or Ascension. Or, sign right? me so, up. <laughs> yeah, it's a... 
Um, not for can I can I swear? Can I say? Yeah, can I totally. Say yes? Feel yeah, free. it's a fucking good game. Like it is. It is like it I'm is, so excited. We've, uh, we have it. We have a paper prototype. We demoed it at GDC yeah. all week, two weeks ago. I saw that image on Twitter. They look really nice. I'm like shaking right now a little bit, thinking about how good the game is because, like, I think you know they they, they really like choice provisions. The response was was positive. Very positive. Yeah. Very very That's positive. Great. From from the right names in the space, and you know, mm-hmm, like the, mm-hmm. the, we have we have the people in our corner who have been building games for for the, the majority of their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and games, I don't know if you've noticed, but these days are ra- rather technical. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the crypto side is actually interesting to them. Yeah, right. totally. Uh, and and we designed the game from the ground up from, from the game system's perspective to take advantage of what is possible on a crypto network. That's why we feel like we need to roll around. Totally. When you were at GDC, just this is sort of an aside that I'm interested in. Like, Tell me. Like, uh, what was, when you started going into the the sort of finer points of the stuff that you're talking about here with the crypto stuff, mm. mm-hmm. of play, you know, what's it, what, what is unique about crypto networks, how you're, how you're sort of like basing it all on that. What, what was the general response, like what were the range of responses that you got from the non-crypto game folks. Right. So when you're at GDC with this crypto contingent, it still exists, but how do you message to um, just lay people? Like, what do you change your pitch? Like, how does that, do you go into the crypto stuff at all? Well, it's interesting. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It, it's it's actually kind of like the perfect vehicle to help people understand yeah, this, totally. this side. I mean, hundred percent. I I totally think games are going to be the intro, the onboard. But absolutely, and that's yeah. that's what one of the reasons we're doing this. You know, like we 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 really believe this is the single biggest driver of mass adoption, and we think that if we are the best game first and foremost, that we will win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the the response uh, from from the layman, so to speak, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, was mm-hmm. actually surprisingly good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. because the the main takeaways for them mm. we're not oh i have to learn a new thing or oh bitcoin volatility mm-hmm. right we're right. not trying to be mm-hmm. money right that's we're, so we're trying to be a game exactly so when they when when they understand when they click oh it's hearthstone but i can lend my cards mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. oh they belong to me and i could buy and, and sell exactly what it, like i could just go to a hobby shop and buy a magic deck i could do the same thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're like, so when I when I win a game, do I get stuff that I get to keep? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, oh my god, okay. So now I'm starting to understand right. what crypto even is mm-hmm. for, right? Right? Like th- that idea of digital. Someone should do like a podcast about like <laughs> digital or digital, digital <laughs> right. scarcity, digitality, digitality, right. scarcity. Yeah. Um, it, it's really interesting how the the these two spaces, these two segments, mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. so perfect for one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really do have a, a base foundation that is so similar. Yeah, yeah, that's and I mean, really the, cool. and the thing that has been missing is the game. Is the game that is good enough? Yes. The game that is compelling right. enough? Just straight up by itself. Uh, again, as an aside, I think that that actually, I think that that um, extends to any everything involving NFTs. The, the no experience yet has been compelling enough to make people care. And so people aren't going to care unless the thing that, and actually each of us are trying to solve that in our own. I mean, Matt, you're trying to solve that with dot, you know, like I'm trying to build my, my song a day thing and you're trying to do it with games. Like that's the thing that everybody needs to solve. And so if, Mm -hmm. if if you're gay, if, if you're telling me that people were like, shit, yeah, I, you know, the story of like the story of so many great games is one of, you know, the, the way Tetris was made, um, Alexei Pajitnov, like, deep in like the heart of mother Russia, just like randomly creating this game and then looking up like seven hours later and realizing he just like had been playing it for seven hours without even knowing it. You know, the story of so many games that are made like this is one of the simplest thing and they just start playing it and they can't stop. Mm -hmm. And that's the sort of, that's when you know that your game is like, okay, we have something here that's going right. to be. That's how we knew that we had sort of settled on the design systems was when every time we played internally, we were like Jones in for more. Yeah. Right. And then after that, when we started showing it to people outside of the organization, um, we started getting messages like within the next 36 hours yeah. that are like, yo, I'm Jones in. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I was playing this board game and it's like you finish a six hour session. Yeah. And it's like yeah. it's 10 Let's p.m. Play again. And it's like yeah, I was like I was seriously considering. I was like, well, we could, we could if, like, if we go quickly, we could get another one in. No, <laughs> that's like, great. The the Jones and thing is great. That's that's I mean that's huge. That's yeah. huge. Yes, and we designed it to be super easy to learn mm-hmm. and difficult to master. You know, like right. you you can go and check out the. That's the, that's kind of where we are right now in our in our sort of like open mm-hmm. and decentralized mm-hmm. journey right. is. 
uh, we've published the rules. We have uh, this is effectively our white paper, right? Right. The rule book, we've totally. The right. We've got the rule book. We've got a build for tabletop simulator mm-hmm. that you can go and download, mm-hmm. right, and play it if you have a copy. Um, and we've got PDFs so that you can actually send off and have them printed and make stickers and make proxies right. uh, at home for yourself and play. And the idea is what we're asking people to do is like, if you like the art, if you like the story, if you like the rules, if you like what you see and you want to see more, buy a deck down below, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're only selling them for Bitcoin right now, which I think has been a, a, an interesting, uh, certainly, an in- interesting issue, right? Uh, but because especially because we've been really resonating more with the with the traditional gaming crowd, totally. so they come and they're like, "Ooh, a card game," and they want to support it, right. and then they hit a, a Bitcoin invoice, and they're like, "What do?" Right, right, hundred percent. Yeah, no, I was gonna ask about that. Is um, like accepting Bitcoin as a payment mechanism is deriving, yeah. you know, the people who use your game from the people that also know how to Bitcoin. And so yeah. that's uh, sort of contrary to the like how accessible this thing is designed to be to everyone else. Yeah. Is it a blocker? Like, like why? Huge. Why not a credit card or whatever? So we were trying to when we when we talked about it internally, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we all agreed that our best bet would be not to try and sell gamers on a crypto game, but our best bet would be to sell crypto users on the best game. Mm-hmm. Um. And as it turns out, that kind of puts us pretty squarely on a fence. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we're still working out the messaging changes on that now where we know, like like I said, we, we keep seeing gamers hit the site and want to pay with fiat. Right. Uh-huh. Do you get support messages or? Yeah, yeah, we get emails and we see, like we can see from the analytics that we can right. see people creating the, the BTC pay invoices totally. uh, and then bouncing. Right. right? So. Um, yeah, that has that's absolutely funny. been the biggest bottleneck, right. but the, the, that's kind of like one of the reasons why I'm here, right. Is like, we have, we've been so head down mm, mm-hmm, that we mm-hmm. haven't really been speaking to the crypto crowd directly. We haven't been yeah. getting in front of the right people. Right. So while we work on our fiat channel, which we were always planning to have that's good. just mm-hmm. crypto first, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to launch a Kickstarter. Totally. I was going to say it. Yeah. Uh, they get how these those work, and we yep. we're just going to sell all the decks with Kickstarter exclusives. Mm-hmm. Totally. With uh, bundles mm-hmm. that are Kickstarter exclusive, like you can get all five decks, even the three unreleased decks, mm-hmm. um, on the Kickstarter exclusively until they're released. Um, are so you are you shipping coming. physical things as part of that Kickstarter? This is something that Cyrus talked about as well. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and I actually wrote something down. I was listening to that episode the other day. Um, yesterday, I think it came out or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think so. Um, I started adding to the rewards saying that we were going to send merch. Mm. Um, we've got enough beautiful artwork and branding and all that stuff that I think that we can get some merch in on there. Totally. Uh, so that's probably the extent to which we'll do it. And maybe uh, we'll have some sort of like little like you guys are doing where we've got a string, right? Mm. Basically, it's an alphanumeric string that says this is a, this is a serial number. That's how we get the, the non-crypto people to understand, mm-hmm. right? It's just it's a digital. It's a Hearthstone card, but every card has a serial number that you own. Right, right. right? Um, so the, the making a serial number side of things for the Kickstarter, I think is less important because we're not speaking to the crypto people there. Right. 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 You're just selling them a cool game with some merch. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, A cool game with early access really ultimately. And like the, the, the promise of, of a lot more coming and, and, uh, uh, access to exclusive backer updates Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, cosmetic stuff inside the game itself. But, um, yeah, that that's that's pretty much the 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 whole kit and caboodle is the 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 BTC Pay implementation is actually really cool and really impressive. Holler, you know, shout out to the BTC Pay team. Right. Um, they built a really incredible open source BTC payment portal exactly. that uses the B, the BitPay API. Um, it's it's really impressive how much work they've done with such a small team and open source. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. shout out to them. We're, we're using them on the website. And that, that's that been really simple. So if you come to the site and you're crypto native. You're golden, yeah. You yeah. understand Perfectly. that this is a token sale, basically. Right. And you can you can buy a deck with Bitcoin. You don't expect a receipt. You just, you know, you send Bitcoin and you're done with it. You have the receipt because you have the transaction ID. Yeah, no, that's definitely tough. But um, yeah, as good as that software is, right, it doesn't match up with how people pay on the web today and the type Bingo. of people you're. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So we're just gonna stick a Kickstarter button beneath uh, beneath the decks. That's just like, hey, want to pay with fiat cash? Mm-hmm. Go here. Oh, that's smart. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you may have already sort of said this, but I might not have totally understood the the reasoning. Uh, is there any reason why um, why Bitcoin and not Ethereum, or what's the mm-hmm. well? Uh, 
mostly because uh, work. Uh, it's it, I just didn't want to add support for another currency mm-hmm. that was untested for BTC Pay. Right. They do have support for a few other altcoins, but uh, nothing on the Ethereum side of things. Right. And I was just like, no, Bitcoin's Bitcoin's fine to start. Bitcoin's totally. Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like everybody's got it. Even people who really believe in the Ethereum ecosystem, like you've got Bitcoin. Totally. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and especially these days, what we're, I mean, look, if, if we, if we play our cards right, uh, and I'm very much like, you know, shouting this on, on yeah. your podcast, yeah, yeah. Where, like for the first time, but like, if we play our cards right. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're literally, Thank you. We're, we're here at the right time, right? Like the, we're, we're finally seeing, I think the bottom's in, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, and if we start selling decks right. on the way up with this bull run, then we're going to be pretty happy. Yep. Lock that prediction in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, lock, <laughs> yeah it lock it in. You heard it here first. I think, I think the bottom might be in, but right. we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Oh, I've learned never to trust my gut on on these things. If you wanna yeah. if you wanna make money trading, just do the opposite of everything I do. And uh, perfect. Yeah. But um, one of the things that you had brought up earlier was the um, when you were building that first game save, uh, like sort of uh, distributed yeah. game save management thing. Um, mm-hmm. One of the the dualities, perhaps, of the crypto ecosystem that I think should get more um, analysis is the sort of um, not mutual exclusivity, but the trade-offs between um, branding as a user experience and accessibility benefit Mm -hmm. and the white labeling decentralization of ownership that is sort of very on ethos for crypto. Um, Mm -hmm. The idea that if you're trying to build something to give it away, you kind of, Mm -hmm. you can't, you have to make other people feel like they own it. Um, Mm -hmm. Yet at the same time, if you're trying to build a cool user experience, trust in a brand and the interoperability associated with that brand, AKA Mm -hmm. works with blank, like that's really powerful. And so like, what is your perspective on that? I guess from both the things you've worked on and also just Mm -hmm. like in general in the space. Um, so wow. A great question. Uh, (laughs) B, uh, yeah, we've been thinking about this a lot. I mean, from the perspective of what we learned from, from our attempted 2012 to 2013, you know, Mm. we tasted failure thoroughly delicious and what good good it was yeah. so good yeah. I kept it on Yum. my wall um <laughs> uh, what we what we learned was that the the end user gives so few fucks mm. that if you are asking them to jump through any amount of hoops yeah. Uh, that that is going to, har- I mean, like we were just talking about it on the website, right? People needing to pay with Bitcoin bouncing off. We see it all the time with Ethereum, mm. even though Ethereum is the most mature, right. you run into MetaMask and people MetaMask. bounce. Totally. Yeah, right. right, right. So as, as nice as those network effects are, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is a sort of like a never ending discussion in the tech realm of walled garden or no walled garden. Exactly, yeah. Right? Um, and I have, I have almost for my entire career been a pretty staunch proponent of no walled garden Mm -hmm. that said i think this is maybe the first time in our technical history as a society that we have been able to witness this kind of progress Mm. and change in in real time right uh we're we're watching all of these things get built right in front of us Mm -hmm. so there's that that uh that sort of acceleration almost like moore's law got accelerated right right? where like we're so much tighter mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly exactly that feedback feedback loop is super super tight now and i'm and i'm not really sure that the anti-walled garden approach mm. is the only approach anymore. Um, these days, you know, I've been in mobile, right, for, for forever. Mm-hmm. I've been covering mobile on YouTube for most of my career. And this is the first year that I am starting to look at Android and, you know, wonder, okay, why Android anymore? Right. Because ah. it has become so much like iOS. Huh. Mm. Interesting. Uh, there was a conversation we were having back in 2015 about who would get, who would win ultimately. It was a battle of if... If Google right. could get better at design faster than Apple could get better at services, mm, mm-hmm. and Google won that battle, mm. yeah, Google got better at design yeah. faster than Apple sure, got sure. better at services, and now we're here where we we're sort of choosing between Apple twice at this point mm. because Google's design, the work that they did, a lot of the 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 legwork they did to get to good design. Uh, was taking pages out of Apple's book. Mm. Right, right. So the discussion around crypto and branding, I think, is a sort of uh, uh, a right now thing. I think in, in 7, 10, 12 years in the future, we won't necessarily be thinking about which chain we're using right. because we have a huge paradigm shift to teach people. 
so I think yeah. that the the brands are really helpful in that. Mm. But until we get, it, it, they're only going to be helpful until we get to a point where we have crossed the threshold mm. where just like in web 2.0 and right. web 1.0 we had to learn what's a username what's a password right. we're gonna have to learn what's a private key right. what's a public key and what's a seed phrase those right. user behaviors will eventually become standard and uh, what yeah. those user behaviors are still undefined and that's like right it's not even like learn how to use a username and password it's like all of the web developers like should we be using usernames and passwords is that like really a good idea like what right. if we did something else right so it's like super influx and like that's one of the benefits of MetaMask, for example, is like, yeah, this thing is horrible for your funnel. Like it's terrible. And especially for your brand, like mm-hmm. I want to play this game. Also, go down this random ass Chrome, Chrome extension <laughs> yeah. from a brand yeah. you've never heard of. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, and that's not even the last step. That's right. That's, that's, that's like, yeah, that's step, step two. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but the look, benefit. I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> yeah. The benefit of that, though, is security and standardization and the sort of again, the interoperability associated with the brand MetaMask. And it's like, once you're in that ecosystem, right, this threshold is really hard to cross, but once you're inside of it, things Mm -hmm. they do like quote unquote, just work. You log in with MetaMask, you pay with MetaMask. Like that's kind of nice. It's sort Mm -hmm. of like with Facebook Connect, it's like, yeah, once you're on Facebook, Facebook Connect makes a ton of sense. Uh, Mm -hmm. Facebook Connect for Facebook Connect's sake is like, go sign up for this social network that you don't want to use in order to log into this website. Like that's not Mm -hmm. a good experience. And so- It's sort of like, how do you cross that bridge, cross that chasm in, in crypto as well? Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm laughing so hard because I learned this lesson so many times. Mm-hmm. You know, that failure tasted like delicious food. Uh, we, we were asking developers, we were like, hey, we made this incredible system here. Um, they were like, look, man, we love it. But we will basically murder our user base if we ask them to sign into your platform. Right. Like, they don't care. I'm sorry. They don't care. Part of the whole point of suspending disbelief in this uh, sliver of escapism that we have in games is that we are not dealing with our burdens of our everyday life. Mm -hmm. And if we are playing games, like I said, if we're playing crypto games with just that one game of capitalism, that's the only way to do it. Mm -hmm. And, And when you have a real world asset in your digital game it's really difficult to maintain that exactly exactly right exactly right so it becomes it becomes that sort of alternate reality game style thing which is another direction that a lot of crypto games are going in sure but that's not yeah what you know right it's like when you're the same thing yeah it's like when you're playing a game and the loading screen cuts to all black and then you see yourself in the reflection and it's like you're you're just yes. thrown back into reality. It's like what right, the right. Fuck? Yeah. Right. You remember that you're playing. A, you're like right. you're putting input into a box, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it, it oh, really God. takes you out of the entire thing. <laughs> and the the idea that we have when we look at that stuff, having learned the lessons that we learned in 2012 and 13, when we look at what what kind of infrastructure game designers and developers need in order to create games like this, mm-hmm. it's ga- it's it's an infrastructure that supports this shift in the paradigm, mm-hmm. right? It's not infrastructure that's going to support, oh, how do you practically generate a non-fungible token right. without having to do the work on the back end? Like, no, it's it's not it's not going to be something like that. Mm-hmm. It's going to be where is the tool that allows me to create a game mm-hmm. that uses these systems right. effectively, mm-hmm. not in the old way. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So beyond is actually a sort of, that's why that sort of started mm. with the story of 2012, because beyond is actually just coming full circle. Right. Beyond really truly is the dog food to discover right. what a proof of play protocol right. really looks like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's ultimately what we're working on is is this is like this is an opportunity for us to figure out what is it that we need to create this game and then we can codify that uh, and create a, a protocol that is effectively a time machine backup mm-hmm. cryptographically mm-hmm. signed Oof. of everything I did in these games provably. Totally. Right? Like, cool. uh, I saw a fabulous talk at GDC. Uh, about games and and their archivi- archivists mm. and how we're finally getting to a point now where a lot like art, traditional art, right. it's starting to deteriorate. We're losing games. Mm-hmm. No one's mm-hmm. archiving mm-hmm. them uh, effectively. Oh yeah, that's a thing. Who was that? Who gave well. that talk? Do you know? Uh, Frank, uh, whose last name I can't remember. Okay. 
Um, but Google Frank Video Game History Foundation, okay. I think they're they're based in Oakland. Cool. Got it. Um, and it was a really fabulous talk. If you're listening on the, the podcast waves, go go listen to that talk. Cool. Um, and he talked a lot about how games are being saved by emulation mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. cool what's possible today is um and his studio works on the collections that you see on shelves of like snk 40th anniversary collection every game they've ever made and they go so far as to not even just put the game on the disc Mm -hmm. they they remaster and restore the game oh wow and Mm. actually put the game's code onto the disc it's such that because they're emulating it, you can do incredible things mm. with input. Mm-hmm. So when you see a game, if you know, we watch games on stream all the time on Twitch. Mm-hmm. When you see a game in the collection that you're like, oh, I never heard of this game. I never saw it played. Mm-hmm. You can just hit show me the game and it'll mm-hmm. play the game for you. Right. Right. But the catch is it's not a video. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. playing the game because right, right, it's an right. emulator. You can just say, let me jump in here. And now let me, you're let me there. Try this part. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's no, fun. right. So what we're trying to do is figure out, like, okay, let's codify what does an NFT look like from a game context? Because mm-hmm. as it turns out, all all game NFTs are is what we built back in 2012. Mm-hmm. It's your game save state, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Our mm-hmm. in-game collections are our game saves. Totally. There's a bit of metadata that goes along with that for our character, for our identity. Right. And this is also how we see getting to a decentralized identity. Because totally. we don't think we're going to get to a decentralized identity until we have enough robust... Without a use case. Right. Use cases. We need robust use cases so that we can prove our identities Basically. in those contexts first. 100%. Right? Prove that I'm a good actor in the context of a game. I was going and now to I can say, prove yeah. that I'm a good actor in the context of another game. And if I can prove that, then I can prove that I'm a good actor in the context of an open source crypto network. Totally. Right? I was going to say you're you're basically backdooring a uh, an identity system at the same time here with like yeah, we're reputation the whole thing and like yeah again it's sort of a side effect of just the things you need in order to make a cool game exactly yeah it all comes exactly. back to that one thing of like yeah you can you can unlock everything else all the potential if you can make the if you can make the thing that people actually want to do mm-hmm. yep good. Totally. If you can, like the title of this episode and what every Very good. listener should take away with them is. Remember, every crypto network is a game. It's game theory, oh, like but it. no game design. Love it. it. Every crypto every crypto network is a game. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, totally, totally. And honestly, like that's why I think uh, traditional game developers would have a lot of fun in crypto, right? Like, just yep. because we it just is... We just need to help show them the light. Totally. Yeah, come, come towards us in our heavenly light, where we have many tokens and many possible protocols for you to design. Yep. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. That is something that's really, I think, not unexplored per se, and obviously you're actively exploring it, but the the crazy explosion in gamification and really just protocolization of, you know, the computer-human interaction over the last, I mean, obviously since mobile, like seven years sort of thing, it's, mm-hmm. it's really unprecedented, the amount of power. Uh, I mean, you look at social networks, you look at games, gamification. I was talking with a friend the other day. She's played this uh, game, this like uh, MMORPG on her phone for the last six months, played like, you know, or not six months, like four years or something. But it's like this game does everything right. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, time-based scarcity. It's like uh, level-based scarcity. It's like progression unlocks. It's They've got the whole shebang. And that, mm-hmm. that hits you in the dopamine so mm-hmm. well and those mechanics those mechanics which have been applied to social networks and gaming i think honestly like relatively unexplored in crypto networks like mm-hmm. people obviously are, are inspired by this but the the severe like effect that these things have on people i don't think we've seen in the crypto mm-hmm. space that same skeuomorphism or that idea anyway right. of skeuomorphism is going to make its way into the zeitgeist in the gaming sphere very soon mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the the issue isn't i mean remember when free to play happened right. you know like in, in 2009 2010 the, the app store popped up and then we everybody was scrambling to figure out what the business model was and right. free to play won because we figured out how to take advantage of those dopamine exactly uh dumps in our in our brains and and truth be told most these games are awful games that use these psychological hooks in a predatory fashion and we think that if we can build this protocol we can teach game developers where the new design space is Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and give them the opportunity to create these kinds of games that are actually maybe the most equitable games that humans have ever been able to make that we've ever been given the opportunity to make where the constituent the player is every bit as part as much a part of the game Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as they are right right uh a, a part of 
the game 100%. is a part of that. It really just closes right? the feedback loop. It's not the yeah. one-to-many broadcast. It is a full creation augmentation cycle. Exactly. That's exactly. really cool. We're, we're creating something a little flatter here, something that, like, you know, players, part of the way that we're designing the network is, is so that we are just the progenitors, mm-hmm, right? We mm-hmm. are the, the progenitors of the game. We're the ones who are making the first cards, first sets. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. if Ed McMillan, a huge mm-hmm. fan of Magic the Gathering, has an idea for three or four cards, mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. can submit them via the quorum. Totally. Right? And the audience can decide to include them in the next mint run, mm-hmm, right? Is there, right? Is there a protocolized way to have a coup or... um well we've been thinking about that a lot actually yeah that was a joke but (laughs) yeah yeah for sure yeah Yeah. that's the joke um (laughs) classic simpsons right um for the listeners who might be a little young um (laughs) but uh yeah yeah we've been thinking about that a lot um yes uh, the way that we're handling it for now is we're gonna we're gonna leave it sort of like the decred model mm-hmm. where company mm-hmm. zero has retained a veto mm-hmm. and uh, we'll we will do our best to use it as uh, as sparingly sparingly yeah. as judiciously possible. yes and judiciously and fairly and equitably yeah. right um, but that that sort of plays into the question you had earlier about you know decentralized versus centralized sure. and it's just the nature of the game mm-hmm. I'm really sorry Creativity, but we're a game 100%. and there's gonna be some trust here totally right? you know we, you need to trust us at the very yeah. if nothing else to tell you a good story because the ip all belongs to us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah right right so you can create characters against these stories but if you want them to get into the network then right. that's something the network has to decide and we have given the network the ability to decide that against our ip mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. but that's ultimately how we see that that dichotomy right. uh games using crypto networks for their infrastructure mm-hmm. will own their own ip what they will divorce themselves from is the economic natures of the game do you think there's any um like the feasible approach that is, you know, hundred percent like Creative Commons IP, like completely release yeah. this into the masses. Like everything is completely like maybe you like lay a foundation as a creative centralized entity and then literally just step away. Do you think yes. there's um I guess demand for that? I do. Uh-huh. I do. Mm. I don't think it's us. Mm. I don't think we're the ones who are gonna do it because we do want to retain that creative control right. over the story, 100%. over the IP, over yeah. the right. So like we wanna open up the right valves. We wanna mm-hmm. open up mm-hmm. the right stuff. And I there's an to art a to lot that. of people there is, there is, uh, and it's. But the the beauty is that games are actually really good at this, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. especially over the last two three years, as live service games have have come into their own. Uh, Warframe is such a fabulous example mm. of a completely free to play game that respects the ever loving shit out of the player's time, <laughs> and <laughs> it treats the play like it really. They treat their players with so much respect. Wow, mm. it is like you can you can grind that game from start to finish without spending a dime uh-huh. if you want. Uh-huh. Right, but most people who play it after spending sixty hours, they're like, "Fuck it, I love these guys. I'm right. spending twenty, thirty bucks a month now." Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Did I did that even answer your question? I feel like I went off on a tangent. We've been. Talking I totally for a while forgot now. what my question was. <laughs> well, that sounds super dope and probably a good place to wrap up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let's. Yeah, I was gonna say let's definitely wrap it up here. Totally. I want to quickly tell you guys. Did I ever tell you my my GDC story? No, my I don't Mi- think I my know. Mia, my Miyamoto story. Have you ever heard this? No. no, you did tell me that, but please say it again. Did I say it on here? I'm not I don't even think so. sure. No. Uh, twelve years. ago, I was doing the math. Twelve years ago at GDC Ooh. 2007. Mm. Matt, Matt, how old were you twelve years ago? <laughs> my uh, definitely. This? In 2007, hold on, 13. I was 13 years old. Awesome. That's, wow. That's, that's fantastic. Yes. I love that. Um, <laughs> so in 2007, I was at GDC. I was, I was game Jew. So I, I, had, I had red overalls with no shirt on and a Mario cap. And I was running around, like, interviewing people about video games and, like, singing songs about video games. And I had this mission. I knew Miyamoto was there that year. Koji Kondo was giving a, 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 a big um, concert, and Miyamoto was going to be there. And so I was like running around asking people, like, have you seen Miyamoto? Have you seen Miyamoto? Like, I, I need to find Miyamoto. I'm going to sing him this song that I wrote for him. Uh-huh. And um, I finally, in the, like backstage, I got backstage <laughs> at this concert and Miyamoto comes down the hall and he goes into this room and I'm like, I'm asking his PR lady, I'm like, can I just sing him this song? She's like, no, 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 no. And Miyamoto comes out the door. He comes back out of this room. And when he comes out, like, I just start singing it to him. I'm just like, I'm just like, and they're not just video games or works of art, is how the song goes. And I'm just singing to him as we're walking down the hall. 
And that's how I sang to me <laughs> at GDC 2007. That's Look, amazing. Man, sometimes you got to make your own venue. It's true. Sometimes you, yeah, in the, in, in the hallway in the back of a video game concert. Very good. No wow. one's judging you on this podcast. But. <laughs> nope. Um, anyway, so do you, what, where should people go, uh, right. to, to, oh, uh, call to, to action, this? call to action. Yes. If you, if you go to beyond.com, you'll see a video of me talking about the game you'll see all the rules. How do you'll I see spell beyond.com? B-A-E-O-N-D.com. So it's like Bay. Yeah. It's like, Bay it's like on. Bay. Like, like, that's right. right. Bay yeah. On. Bay, on. Yep. Bay on. The Gen yep. Z's beyond. will love that. Yeah. Yes, yes for sure. they will love that. Uh, they have been loving that. Very good. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can head to beyond.com, B-A-E-O-N-D.com, um, and you can head to Twitter, uh, at GoBeyond, spelled the same way, G-O-B-A-E-O-N-D, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Mark B. Um, and the, the best thing that you can do to support the project is just dump 20 bucks of, of Bitcoin uh, mm-hmm. at, a, at a deck, or you could buy all three decks. Um, or if you're gonna, if you're trying to buy in fiat, we'll have a Kickstarter for you very soon. You can buy all five. You can even Amazing. get your face. We're one of the. We're Ooh. giving away ten, ten art pieces. <laughs> we're gonna put your faces in ten cards. Ooh, I want to be so, immortalized. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, keep an eye out for that. The Kickstarter will be live in the wow. next week or two. What is what is the theme of the game? AKA, if I got my face onto a card, would I be like a monster of some sort? You know, I'm gonna have to come back to talk about it even more. Okay. But the, the gist <laughs> is, it's a far-flung, post-singularity, post-scarcity future Ooh, where effectively it. everybody in the universe has is it we're use, is using a crypto network, and everybody uh, has access to the ether perfect. network, and everybody has access to the weapons, to the armor, to the to the gear that they need while they're in battle, mm-hmm, siphoning mm-hmm. ether from ether rifts scattered around the solar system. Wow. Super positive, super optimistic, super inclusive. Our lead character's name is. Suena, she's half Costa Rican, half Middle Eastern. Um, we're all about transhumanism. We're all about inclusion. You know, who you are mm-hmm, is who you mm-hmm. are. Whether you're a pros- you're a, a synthetic mind in an organic body, or you're an organic mind in a synthetic body. So Whoa. really, you could be anything, Matt. You could, anything. You could be anything. Wow. At all. Anything. I love you that. Just, Gotta you love post scarcity. The How way much? you are is good enough. Do you know what you're setting that yeah. that uh, thing at? That AKA, where do I throw the money? <laughs> where at? do I sign up? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Kickstarter goal, yeah. The right. Kickstarter goal, or the the reward for that is a, yeah. is a thousand bucks to get your Ooh, face. Okay. There you go. Yeah, it's within reach. Bucks. It's within yeah. reach. Very within cool. Reach of a few people. So a few fans. check out Beyond. What was the dot dot com? Dot com. Yeah. Very Try good. The, the old school. Very good. Old no, that school. is the way to Doing do it. it. Yeah. Sweet. Awesome. Matt, are you uh, you still um, looking for what am I shilling? still looking for VC people? Totally, angels. Uh, again, if you are interested in all the stuff we talk about on this podcast um, and uh, consumer facing digital scarcity, etc., uh, hit me up at uh, dot.af. It just redirects to XLNT, Heck but yeah, um, yeah, just email me or something. Um, yeah. And I'm going to say two things. Get on those t-shirts, mm-hmm, bit.ly mm-hmm. slash Dr. Shirt. I like that. <laughs> Dr. Shirt. Shirt. Dr. Shirt. Um, you have... Uh, you have You've been diagnosed with a distinct <laughs> lack of yeah. this shirt. And uh, I'm sorry, it's uh, fatal unless treated right now. <laughs> a severe lack of scarcity. <laughs> and I am also on the prowl for like a React developer to help me with my thing. Uh, so if you are one and or, and, or you know one mm-hmm, that is interested, mm-hmm. I, I, I have some, I think maybe Matt, you and I should do like a, a just you and me show sometime to, to talk about totally. where our projects are taking us. Cause hundred percent, I think both of us are going in directions, but that's some good accountability as well. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, that's it for us. Mark, thank you so much yeah. for, for coming. This was a blast. We Very really appreciate fun. it. Thank yes. you for having me. Awesome. And uh, we will see you all next time. Ooh, digital scarcity. What does any of it mean? Gotta fix usability for NFTs to go mainstream. NFTs ain't finance. Arguments ain't war. No stone bridges out of iron anymore. No stone bridges out of iron anymore. If there were two Mona Lisas, the same in every way. But you know that one was real, and you know that one is fake. Which one would you say has the authenticity? Failure begins with having to explain fungibility. Are NFTs for their own sake enough in the end? Or do you need utility?
and speculation Ooh, digital scarcity What does any of it mean? Gotta fix usability for NFTs The go mainstream NFTs ain't finance Arguments ain't war All magic is change You can inscribe a magical word Onto the blockchain I could make money off this song Every single time it's heard If it were an NFT owned by an ERC-20 bonded curve Matt owns the podium He won't light it on fire though Horse dung and Ultima Online Was a currency, don't you know? Digital scarcity, what does any of it mean? Gotta fix usability for NFTs to go mainstream. NFTs ain't finance, arguments ain't born. There's no stone bridges out of iron anymore. Stop building stone bridges out of iron Stone has a story. Noriel Rubini is wrong. William Chamberlain invented curved salad tongs. Don't just focus on scarcity for NFTs and games. Use your imagination, explore the whole range. And we've come so far with the internet. But all white papers got these two columns. Oh, digital scarcity, what does any of it mean? Gotta fix usability for it.